Welcome to the Faith Christian Church Podcast. You're listening to a message from one of our many gatherings that we have throughout the week. For more information on service times, ways that you can be a part of the work that God is doing in our communities, and so much more, you can visit our website at faithchristianwi.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Hey, greetings and welcome, everybody. Welcome to church. Who's glad you're here so far? Yeah, all right. Welcome and welcome to everybody who's watching online. Hey, we're here for Jesus. We're here for one another. And we're here to see God's kingdom expand. It's our prayer and my prayer for every single service that his name would be glorified, that his kingdom would expand, and that his will would be demonstrated among us and in our lives. So uh, we're already got a great start on that and we're excited to be here. Let me share with you a couple of announcements uh, about really neat things coming up. Uh, this Sunday, everybody say this Sunday. This Sunday we have our Connect class. Our Connect class is an opportunity for you if you're newer to us or, you know, maybe you've been around for a while, but you've decided, hey, I really would like to get a little more involved. I'd like to serve. I'd like to uh, volunteer to do something, whatever, you know, enlist my talents for God here at church. Uh, we ask you to go through that class because we'd like to get to know you just a little bit and you really should get to know us just a little bit. This class is an opportunity for that relationship to begin. And you can show up this Sunday at 8.30. We have a couple of people signed up for it. Uh, it would be great if you signed up so that we would be able to prepare for you a little better. But even if you don't, you can show up Sunday at 8.30. Uh, Pastor Donovan Blair, I know he's here. Uh, where are you, Pastor Donovan? All right. Give Pastor Donovan a hand. Will you do that? All right. Uh, he's going to be with you in the Connect class, plus you'll get a chance to meet all of the staff people just for a, a minute or two as we poke our heads through the door in the meeting, and there'll be a great opportunity for you. So please sign up for that, or if you know somebody who should, uh, encourage them to do that. Would you do that? All right. Also coming up, we're really excited about this. Sunday, June 10th, here at church in the second service, we're going to be having a water baptism. And water baptisms are so exciting because... It's a chance for you to do something about what you believe. Uh, so many people in our nation would say emphatically, oh, I believe, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. And many of them would say, you know, yes, I, I've accepted Jesus in my life. But sometimes it's hard to think, okay, what do I really do about that? Is there a thing I can do that identifies me as a Christian? And actually, baptism is that one thing it's not the only thing but it's a doorway that God designed for us to walk through to say I want to be a Christian and this was the door to go through to be baptized in water symbolizing you're joining with Christ in his death and burial and you're joining with Christ in his resurrection if you haven't been baptized since you yourself have been a believer we invite you to join us. We had a bunch of people already signed up for this class for the baptism, and we invite you to join us in this experience. We encourage you to sign up on the welcome desk. Here's why we want you to sign up. We know that sometimes people have questions about baptism. We understand that, and uh, we would love to be able to chat with you a little bit, or you would be able to say, well, I'm interested, but I have a question. If you sign up, it's a great way for you to 
get co connected with so we can talk to you. Or you're welcome to talk to any of our pastors after the service and we'll help you. But it's a great opportunity for us as we move forward for uh, water baptism. Uh, also, we're going to uh, pray tonight in just a moment but uh, for our service, of course, and for the message. But we just want to welcome all of our kids. I'm told we have a full house of kids back there of all ages, and that's always exciting. And if you don't have young children here and you just come to church here on Wednesday, uh, you should, I know you hear them. I know you can hear them when you come through, but, uh, you know, it's a great privilege for us as a church, and I know you know that. A great privilege for us to be able to impart and entrust the knowledge of Jesus and his work with young people. So I just want to encourage you all the way from nursery, all the way up through youth on Sunday nights, always be in prayer, will you, for our young people. It's an awesome opportunity we have as a church and we want to pray for them here tonight. Tonight is our last service in May and we're going to be wrapping up this whole series on All In. And I'm going to be talking, just to wrap it up, I'm going to try to capture a little bit, not of what we've already said, not even how we've said it, but a little bit of the why we do what we do. I want to talk to us for these next minutes about being all in for others. All in for others. Would you join me in a prayer right now as we begin this time? Our Father, tonight, we come before you. We seek you, not because you're lost, because we're so quickly, we so quickly lose our way. We seek you today because we believe you have something for us and we don't want to not find it in our busy lives. So we lay these next moments down and we ask that you cause our attention to be focused, our, our understandings to be enlightened, our eyes to see and our ears to hear of our inner man what it is you would say to us in this night, in, in this hour when, when church is so desperately needed and yet churches are so often uh, feeling overwhelmed. We pray that today you help us connect to your energy, your desire for others that forces you to leave the 99 Help us to see a little bit of that tonight, Lord. We ask you to help this message to be what you want it to be and us to respond as you will. We do pray for all of our children and young people from the smallest and newest babies here, which we are so thankful uh, to be a part of their lives. To all the children, all the volunteers and workers who serve week after week, we say thank you and we pray that you bless them and use them even as you took little children up in your lap and blessed them. Do it tonight, and every time we meet, we pray in Jesus' name. If you can agree, say amen. Amen. I want to open with a scripture tonight as we talk about being all in for others. All in for others. I'll give you a clue before I read the scripture. The concept I'm going to talk about tonight is not deep. It's not profound. It's not something new. As a matter of fact, it's so simple that it really should be second nature. But as we go through the night tonight, I, I hope that you in these next few moments can discover with me how easy it is for us to forget what's really important and most obvious. 
as we talk about all in for others. The scripture I just want to read is a quote from Acts 20 and verse 35, but it is actually Paul the Apostle in the book of Acts quoting Jesus. It's a unique passage because it's not found in the Gospels, but Paul, writing in what we believe to be inspired scripture, said, even as the Lord Jesus has said, Now this is the word he quotes, and you'll all know it. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. In his context in the book of Acts, Paul was talking about people working hard and sharing with people who are in need. I understand and acknowledge that, and it's a great message for us all. It is not what I want to talk about tonight. What I want to talk about tonight is sort of flip-flopping our whole world view, the whole framework of how we see our lives from what we get out of life to what we can share with others. And in that regard, I'm using this scripture to say that when we go through life, the worldview we use, the framework that we build our lives upon can either be what can I receive or what can I give? And Jesus said it is more blessed for us to give. As we talk about all in, and we've talked about being all in and all the different ways that we have, there is something that I feel compelled to challenge us with tonight, and that is why do we do what we do? Obviously, we come to church, and church is great. It it really is who we are as Christians, and and it should be exciting. It should be uh, inspiring. It should feed us. It should help us. And we really work very hard here at church. If if you could see the the labor and the intensity and the effort and prayer that, that all of our leaders put into making church what it is, you'd appreciate them as, as I do. They're, they're wonderful people. But it it still can be about receiving or about giving and sharing what we have here with others. I want to read a story, a very serious story. This is a story written by a a man by the name of Kevin Hines. Kevin is a survivor, a survivor of an attempt he made to take his own life by jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Now, I once saw a, a, a television interview of, of somebody, it was probably him, that talked about, and they now have a whole club of people that have survived attempts on their own lives by jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. Golden, they're called Golden Gate Survivors. And it's, it's a profound experience, I'm sure. Let's read Kevin's story as we think about being all in for others. Kevin had been waiting for just one person to reach out to him. On the span of the bridge, a woman came up to him on his left side. Blonde curly hair, giant sunglasses that didn't fit her face, and a smile. And I thought, she smiled at me. She's going to ask me if I'm okay. I don't have to die today. I'm 19, and I don't have to die, said Kevin. That's when she pulled out a camera and said, will you take my picture? And I was crushed. He took the picture and returned the camera. She walked away. Within moments, he jumped from the bridge. 
It was a split-second decision. My thought was, absolutely nobody cares. Nobody. I took these hands, and I catapulted into a free-for-all, said Kevin. It took about four, sevens, four seconds for Kevin to hit the water, and he said it felt exactly that fast. But he remembers his few fleeting thoughts and the flood of emotion. Quote, instant regret powerful, overwhelming regret as I fell. All I wanted to do was reach back to the rail, but it was gone, said Kevin. The thoughts in those four seconds, it was, what have I just done? I don't want to die. God, please save me. Boom, he hits. He fell about 223 feet and hit the water in a seated position likely at 75 miles an hour. He said he had never felt such pain. Disoriented under the water, he couldn't tell which was up or down. His back was broken. He found out later how severe his injuries were. I shattered my T12 and L1 and L2 lower vertebrae upon impact, said Kevin. It, I missed severing my spinal cord by two millimeters. Moments before, he had been determined to die. Suddenly, he found himself desperate to live in blinding pain, he tried to swim upwards. I remember thinking very clearly, Kevin, you can't die here. If you die here, no one will ever know that you didn't really want to. And then I broke the surface. Kevin survived this story, so it is not as tragic an end as it could be. And I'm using this story to illustrate something because the, the point I'm trying to make, and the reason I said it was so obvious, I want to talk to us tonight about being all in for evangelizing people that live in our world, about sharing the gospel of Jesus with people that are around us. I pick this story, I hope it provokes us to think, because frankly, I see something happening among us in our world today that, that's really quite scary. You know, a number of years ago, if we'd have said, we need to tell everyone about Jesus, people would have amened and they'd have said yes. But today, as our culture has progressed and as, as, as things have happened in our world around us, we can say, we need to evangelize our neighbors. And people are like, well, uh, people are really kind of turned off by evangelism. And they don't really respond well to, you know, I'm not just going to go stand on a street corner and hand out gospel tracts. It doesn't work today, today's world. And, and we have a whole list, a plethora of reasons why it's not as easy as it used to be. I understand that. But I do want to challenge us tonight. There has to be a compelling reason for us to be Christians that's bigger than just me. I want you to think about that. There has to be a reason for what I do that's bigger than just, I want to go to heaven. I want to have a nice church. I want to have friends at church. All those things are great. I need a sense of community. I get really excited when I volunteer. All those things are great. But there has to be something deeper, wider, and bigger, a more potent cause for us to live for than just what I get out of my religion. And frankly, that potent cause 
is that the people that live around us, whether they're excited about church, whether they're willing to listen to you or not, those are the people that Jesus shed his blood for. And they need him. Our present society has some really wonderful things in it. And yet they're really challenging. It's like the best or the worst is all around us every day. The troubled culture that we live in has such polarized views and values. I know you know that. You know, some of the things, all you, all you have to do is throw up about one of six or seven topics. And if you just mention it, you have the capability and the raw material for a really big argument right now. I, I, I know you're thinking of some, so I, I won't deviate your minds anymore. But, but you, you can just bring up a subject and you have an argument. You don't have a discussion. You can't sit down and talk to somebody that in our society very well at all. If you disagree, it seems like there's an immediate antagonism. It goes immediately to accusation. There's no real discussion. We have polarized views and values, no discussions about anything. We, ha we, we have a remade view of religion. There's a college professor that did a survey. It was just a personal survey that he did and never made a, a big, you know, scientific public deal. But he used to survey incoming freshmen in his classes uh, about two things. He said, I want you, on your first day of class here, I want you to write a simple paper on, I want you to tell me all about, uh, a paper that tells me about what kind of person you are. And so they would write that. And then he said, now I want you to write another paper that tells me what kind of person do you think Jesus was? Very interesting. And he said to his amazement, and later, you know, it was, it was kind of cynical, really. He said, to my amazement, I found out that the, the students, whatever they wrote about themselves is what they wrote about Jesus. In other words, if, if they thought, well, this is really important to me, then Jesus really thought that was really important to him too. And the list went on, and I, I won't go into great detail, but his basic finding was that people make Jesus to be in their own image, what they want him to be. I like this, Jesus likes this. I don't like it when people do that. I don't believe Jesus likes it when people do that. And, and, it, and it is seemingly what happens in our world today. There, there, are, there are things and subjects that, that are very difficult to even talk about as a pastor, and yet they're, they're clearly spelled out in the Bible. And it's not that we're afraid to talk about it, but we know that people, not, not so much here, but generally the population comes preloaded with a belief of what God likes and doesn't like, and you should complement that belief system or I'm not interested in your religion. It makes things very difficult, but it doesn't change the overwhelming concept that God really is God and his values and his ideas transcend ours. Can I, can I get an amen on that? He, his, his values and ideas are, are far deeper, wider, greater, and eternal, and ours are temporary, shattered, uh, fallen, and partial. So we can't make God in our own image, but that's what's happening in our society a remade religion. Uh, we have so much ability in our society to help people. So much ability. And yet so many broken people like Kevin, whose story we read at the beginning. 
who can live inches away from the technology and the help that could make their life so good and they just can't seem to grasp it. It's a strange society. And the reason why I pointed that out, it's not because I'm, I'm trying to condemn the world. I'm not. I'm trying to get us to shake some of the dust off of our lives and realize that the people around us are worth working at to get them to find Christ. They're worth working at. My wife and I uh, have had the privilege of going twice to the country of Switzerland and preaching there. And, and we were invited by a, a friend pastor of ours who used to be a missionary in the Philippines, and which is why we got to go there. And it was, they were kind enough to provide our way there. And, and we got to preach and I preached in probably about four now or five different churches in Switzerland. And it, they have great churches. And the, and the Christians there love each other. I mean, you know, you talk about church, they, they spend hours there. They eat together every Sunday. The whole Sunday is church all day almost. It, it's like a really, really tight fellowship, really cool, love each other. And so I'm praying, you know, and I'm thinking, well, they're having me come there and speak at their 25th celebration or whatever anniversary it was. And I really felt like God's going to give me a message. So I felt like God gave me a message. You know, you got to reach your neighbor for Christ. A pretty simple thing, you know, tell somebody about Jesus. And I get up there and I mean, the worship is powerful. And I mean, they're, they're excited. What's that? Pastor Paul came all the way here from America. And for one thing, they like my wife way better than me. All she had to do is just start talking and they're crying. And I preach my heart out and they go, that was nice. It's like, whatever. Anyway, so, but and, and I, I, it was great. But so we are up there preaching away. And I'm saying we can reach these souls for Christ. And I felt like I had my head inside of a paper bag. I mean, it was like, what? So I'm thinking, okay, they're not getting it. So I, you know, I, you know I'm not going to give up so I just back up and come at it at a different angle and these people you know and so nothing they're looking at me like uh, we don't understand what you're trying to say so finally there's all their 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 church was in like a fourth story of a high-rise building and so they moved the curtains open and said see all those apartment buildings out there this is Zurich Switzerland all those people that live out there are they Christians Oh, no, no, no. I said, so are they okay? It's okay that they're not Christians? It's okay that they're atheists? That's all right. So when, when, they, when their life ends, they'll all be good, right? It doesn't matter. Oh, no, they won't be good. I said, so someone was involved in helping you receive the faith that you now have. Oh, yeah. So who's going to be involved with them? And it was such a simple concept, but I'll tell you why it was hard. Because whatever is happening in our culture has already happened in theirs. Whatever the disinterest in religion, the rejection of formal church, all of that, that's happening in our culture right now. But in their culture, it's already done. So they don't have the animosity that we sometimes feel like, oh, you're one of those Bible people. Ugh. They don't have that. What they have is they invite somebody to church and they go, I'm sorry. Literally, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry that whatever had to be happening in your life that was so traumatic that made you feel like you need religion. I mean, if you have to do it, fine. But no, I, I'm, of course not. Of course, I'm not coming. 
And so largely, they've given up. Now, I can't say that for all Christians, just the ones I met in these churches. I don't want us to do that. I don't want us to even think about it. I don't want us to think that people will just magically show up in church. I mean, and we do. People do come to church here. I mean, you know, they hear about it. You know, we're a little different than other churches. We welcome you. We want everybody to feel welcome. And we work really hard at it. But the truth is, if people are going to really engage religion, they're probably going to do it because they know somebody else who's helping them have that experience. So when I talk about being all in for others, it requires us to get our mind and our eyes off about what religion does for me and thinking about what about the people who don't have Jesus? What can I do? What should I do? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, four verses starting in verse number 17. The first one is one of our favorites. Paul the Apostle writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of, what's the next word? Reconciliation. Reconciliation is not terribly complex. It could give you a lot of Greek background, but it basically means taking people that were enemies and making them friends. Making friends out of enemies. Reconciling people that are at odds with each other and bringing them together. And Paul said, God has given us the ministry of doing that. Not with people to people, with people and God. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in verse 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. We sang it tonight. He leaves the 99. There's no mountain he won't climb up and, and all of that, what? Running after me. Yes. And he's doing it for all of those people in our culture right now who don't know him. Who don't know him. He was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. In other words, he didn't look down and go, oh, not for those guys, they're bad. He, he said, no, it doesn't matter what they've done, I'm going after them. I'm going to find them. I'm going to be their friend. They don't want me to be their friend right now, but I'm going to overwhelm their animosity with my love and grace, and I'm going to welcome them into my family. I'm going to let them know that even though they say they hate me, I'm preparing a place for them in my home in heaven, and I don't want to be in heaven without them, so I'm going to send my son to be the missionary from heaven to the whole planet Earth. His death will reconcile them. His, he will be buried in a grave that they created for him but I will raise him from the dead and then I can open heaven to all of my enemies and say you're welcome to come if you'll just believe and he did all that and then he said I have, I have one thing for you to do I want you to tell people what I did I'm giving you this message I did the reconciliation 
You don't have to worry about trying to fix people. You don't have to worry about correcting their trespasses. God didn't. You don't need to worry about telling them what they're wrong about or trying to convince them they're bad. You don't need to do any of that. You need to let them know what I did and let them know of my invitation to them. He said, entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20 says this, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Just like our country has ambassadors in foreign countries. We are ambassadors for the Messiah. God making his appeal through us. Have you thought about that? How's God going to reach these people? When we make our appeal, it's God appealing through us. We implore you, Paul said, on the behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Well, what it really comes down to is the tactic of communicating this message certainly has to change with the times. We understand that. Uh, you know, we, we, don't, we don't have runners that go from town to town and blow a trumpet and roll a scroll and stand on a street corner and announce the news. That, that was the original word that we get the word evangelist from a herald to go with a message from the king they would blow a trumpet trumpet he would unfurl the scroll and hear ye hear ye thus says the king to all of his people and they would announce the news that that's where we get the word evangelist from to herald the good news we, we don't do that anymore and 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 i don't know what it is that we do and i do know that people that are already doing this are probably not going to respond respond really well by you just yelling louder over their outstretched hand. I get that. I get that we can't just force people and bully them into coming to church and, and trying to accept your religion. That's not what I'm asking us to do. But I'm asking us, at a bare minimum, to show care about others more than just ourselves. Because there are people that God is already working in their hearts and prearranging things in their lives where, where they're walking into a pre-made sort of spiritual gospel trap. They don't, it, it, it's the wrong word, but, but they walk into a scenario in life where, what's going on in my life? And then you happen to get assigned to their spot at work. And you look at them and they're puzzled or they're troubled or, or something's going on in their life and they wonder, what, what are you going to do? And what am I going to do? And you wake up that morning and that was the scripture you read in your morning devotion and you're placed in their world. But maybe that same day, you got some unexpected news that didn't make you happy. Maybe there's some troubles in your life and you can go to that job inches away from somebody that God's preparing for the message and not even see that preparation because I got bad news today. I owe money to the IRS. Now what am I going to do? God, why have you done this to me? The only thing I've done to you is prepare you to share a message. I've been working in this person's life. I put them right in front of you. They don't need you to preach a sermon. You don't need to be, go to Bible school to do it. You just need to care about them enough to say, I care about you. And you know what? I'm going to pray for you. Oh. And you open up a dialogue. I, I don't know how it's going to look. I do realize that we have to be a little more savvy than we used to. But I don't believe we can afford to give up on other people. Our world needs 
Jesus. And they need us to be out of our world to share with them. They're not all right the way they are. I want you to think back to your life before you really knew Jesus. Do you remember some of the things that happened in your life that prepared you and made you willing to be able to say, Jesus, I need you? Do you remember some of those things that happened in your life? They probably didn't all happen in 30 seconds when somebody came up into your life and opened the big fat Bible and read you a whole chapter. I mean, it probably didn't happen that way. And it's not happening that way with some of the people around us. But if we pray for them, God will work on them. I believe we need to be all in for others. Because, and, and I know Pastor Jordan did a great job preaching on Sunday, and, and he talked about some of the things we'll have to have or we won't have a future. But frankly, Christians, I don't want a church in our country to look like what happened in Switzerland. The Christians there are beautiful. But to have an inability to hope, to even hope that people in their country would be saved. An inability to even hope. I don't want us to go there. I want you and I to walk through our neighborhoods, to be in our lives, and to be looking for ways that God has prepared souls for Christ. And to be savvy. And you say, well, what can I do? I don't know. I'll tell you something you can never do wrong. You can never go wrong if you love people and care about them. Never, never go wrong. Like the guy on the bridge and the lady said, hey, can you take my picture? What if she just said, hey, you okay today? I would have did it. Waiting for one person to say, are you gonna be okay? You don't look so well. Everything all right? How are you doing today? That's not a terribly hard thing to do, but it is. The pressures of our culture want us to point about 50 arrows at me. It's about me. And God said, let's care about others. What will it cost you? Some comfort? Some convenience? It will cost us thinking bigger than just our problems. What will it gain us? I want you to think about one thing. Jesus said it. In heaven, there is great rejoicing over one sinner who repents. You remember reading that? Great rejoicing. Who remembers reading that? Great rejoicing. Who do you think's happy? Why would heaven have a party? Because angels just, ha <laughs> cool. They're rejoicing because they see the creator of the universe on a throne going, yes. One more seat is filled at my banquet table. One more person that I died for said yes. That's our goal. That's why we do what we do. Would you stand with me tonight? What we gain from being all in for others is Jesus' smile. Jesus' smile. We gain a lot of things too for us. Yes, it's really cool. Of course church helps us. Of course we get things out of it. But Jesus wants us to be all in for others. Let's pray together. 
Lord Jesus, tonight you died on a cross so that others might live. We're some of those others, but we're not all there is. And we pray that you would help us to get past our, our own selves. And we know that you want to help us and you want to be our shepherd. And you're going to make sure that we live in green pastures and we live beside still waters. And when we're hurt, you're going to heal us. And when we're in need, you're going to provide for us. And, and when we're afraid, you're going to comfort us. We, we know that and we thank you for that. But I pray that tonight you would help us to see that outside of our walls and beyond our world, maybe only by inches, there are people who need you. Help us to see them, we pray, and do something about it in care and in love, in Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed tonight, you're here tonight, and you would say, Pastor, I, I need Jesus. I want to surrender to him. I, I want to follow God. Maybe you even want to do that. That, that baptism step, you want to just surrender to all that Jesus has for you. But, but, but the most important decision is that I want to surrender. I want to say yes to Jesus. I, I don't want to miss what he did. I, I, I want to take him up on his invitation. I want to give him my life and turn away from my wrong ways. If that describes you, I want you to raise your hand tonight. We want to pray for you. We're not doing it to embarrass you. We're going to pray with you and for you right here in this building. But it, it is important that I see your hand, but it's really important that you make a decision. And if this is you, I want you to just quietly say yes. Pray for me tonight. I want Jesus in my life. All right, then for all the rest of us as we leave this place, let's remember we work and live inches away from people who are a world away from God. God bless you. You may be dismissed. Uh, go out and serve God. And if you would like prayer for something tonight, uh, please come forward. We will have people at our altar who would love to pray for you. God bless you. <laughs>